Well, welcome back for a fresh new episode of Queen Bees. I am Tina. And I'm Lisa. Before we get into today's episode, how did your challenge from last week go? You were going to change the mindset of your home before your husband got home. So I feel like I've been doing pretty good about it. I've been trying to just in general be more positive and I feel like it's actually helping because there haven't been any days where it was just utter chaos other than my kids being super naughty the other day. I was a little crabby about that, but I told my husband specifically like I'm upset with the kids and here's why, like here's what happened and we discussed it and like he knew obviously it had nothing to do with him directly. So I think it's, I think it's definitely helping. Perfect. I didn't complete it. Yeah, I said no a lot, but that was to my kids. <laughs> I didn't even complete the previous week's challenge. I'm still white knuckling it through life. My brain is just gobbledygook these days. I can't seem to slow down for the life of me, but I will get caught up. And if you haven't listened to the collaboration with Lisa Concepcion, which was last week's episode, go take a listen. I learned so much from everything she provided as well as any future collaborations going forward. So not only did it help us in that area, but it also helped us with our own podcast. And for this week's episode, we are going to be talking about fostering and rescuing animals. And what is it called, Lisa? Uh, specifically, it's called Fetch, Foster, and Rescue. So why don't you tell me a little bit about it? Uh, so Fetch, Foster, and Rescue is a nonprofit organization um, who advocates for dogs that I work with. Um, primarily, uh, we save dogs from being euthanized and uh, help them get off the streets of Texas. Um, we also do rehome a lot of local dogs when people reach out to us and it's either not working out with them to have that dog in their home or maybe they've moved somewhere, they're not allowed to take a dog. Um, sometimes we do help with situations like that along with rehoming mill dogs, which are breeder dogs, whether they're retiring them. So essentially the breeder dog no longer wants it because they can't use it to make more puppies. Um, or in the event that one of the breeder dogs gave birth to a puppy that is not by their standards perfect. Um, so it might have some sort of a flaw or something's not quite right with it. Um, they don't want those dogs and they don't want to advertise that they had a dog that wasn't, as I call it, perfect. Um, so they'll give us those dogs as well. And it could be anything from the dog has an underbite to the dog has an issue with a leg that therapy can fix. You know, it's not something that necessarily or by any means needs means that the dog would need to be euthanized or should be euthanized. So these are all ages of dogs and is it just dogs? So fetch foster and rescue primarily just, or I should say fetch foster and rescue only does dogs at this time, um, but dogs of any age. So it can be anything from a puppy to a senior dog. Um, it doesn't matter 
age-wise, uh, all we care about are, you know, finding these dogs good homes and uh, loving families so that they don't have to be on the streets or living in bad situations or uh, be up to possibly being euthanized. And most of these dogs come from te Texas? Yes. Uh, a lot of our dogs come from Texas because the shelters down there are overrun. Um, they don't have the space or the supplies to care for them. So many of the dogs are euthanized. Uh, generally, after about a three-day hold, it kind of depends on the situation of the dog, but that's kind of the basics of it. Um, and their shelters down there are kill shelters, unlike here in Wisconsin. Um, so they kind of have a ticking clock from the time that they walk in the door. Um, they also do not spay and neuter down there, which obviously can cause a lot of accidental litters. Um, and many of them also don't use preventatives like heartworm medication or flea and tick. Uh, so it's cheaper to euthanize a dog if they come up heartworm positive than it is to treat them. Um, in addition, a lot of dogs in certain areas down in Texas are used for a specific purpose. For example, let's say you have a sheep herding dog. So they look at it as more as that dog is a worker, not a family member, like we would consider our pets here in Wisconsin. Um, a lot of our pets are kept in our homes. We baby them. We let them sleep with us. They, you know, they have luxurious lives, we'll say, um, versus what they consider a working dog down in Texas. Is Fetch, Foster, and Rescue only in Texas and Wisconsin, or are there other states that do this as well? So there's a lot of states that do this type of work, um, but Fetch, Foster, Rescue itself is only located in Wisconsin. We collaborate with Texas Rescues along with um, a group of Texas Fosters that assist us in getting our dogs so, for example, if there's a dog at the animal shelter that's due to be euthanized today, we can essentially pull that dog, but we need someone to take it, to go there, to pick it up, to, to house it until we are able to do a transport and get down there and get it. So that's where these other individuals come in and also where the other rescues come in because some of these rescues, you know, they they're taking on all these dogs and they do not have the amount of people down there who can financially always take care of the animals or want to adopt the animals because um, they're so overrun. Um, a lot of people can just go anywhere and, and get a dog. So um, a lot of them end up coming up here because we have more um, people looking for animals and we're not so crazy overrun because we are spaying and neutering our animals. And how many foster dogs at one time does Fetch have? It completely varies. Um, we could have as few as two or five, and we could have as many as 35. It completely depends on who has reached out to us to help them and how many fosters we have available to take dogs on. Um, so, And also time of month because... We don't like to commit to more dogs than what we can take care of because then we'll be in the position where we're overrun. Um, so we do transports where we drive down to Texas or meet the Texas foster somewhere between Texas and 
um, the, our home state of Wisconsin. Generally, um, one of our more common meeting points is uh, in Oklahoma. So essentially, those Texas rescues and fosters, they get together, they put all the dogs on one transport van that meets us in Oklahoma. We drive down to Oklahoma, we meet them, we transfer the dogs from their van to our van, and then we bring them home up here. So when transport comes up, we have a lot of dogs all of a sudden at one time that we disperse about through our fosters. And then as we adopt them out, obviously that number starts to decrease. And then on the flip side too, you know, if we get a puppy mill breeder who reaches out and says, hey, I have these three puppies that, you know, weren't born perfect. Do you want them? Uh, we'll get them fully vetted. And then, you know, so the numbers kind of fluctuate up and down depending on um, how many dogs we have coming in and going and things like that. How many foster people are in Wisconsin and where in Wisconsin? So it's actually all over the state of Wisconsin. I couldn't even guess how many we have because that number fluctuates so much as well. And depending on what you're considering, like an active foster, um, because there are there are different different fosters do different kinds of things. So certain fosters will take on dogs and actually bring them into their homes and things like that. Other fosters, you know, they might not be able to take in a dog at this time, but they'll do other things to help out with the rescue, like doing the transports or helping with fundraising or transporting dogs to and from vet visits and things like that. As a rough guess, I'm going to say we probably have about 30-ish fosters, give or take. Don't hold me to that number. Because um, there are people who, you know, they do it a couple times and then they either get burnt out or something in their life changes and they're not able to do it at that time or they move. Um, like one girl who used to do it a ton right now, she's literally like sold her house, planning on buying a different one, but right now she's renting. So where she's renting, she can't foster. So it depends on like, would you count her as a foster right now? I still would. She's still doing a ton of work for us. So that to me, you know, makes the, that number fluctuate up and down. So if you want to become a foster, where would you go? So the first thing that you would want to do is visit our website, which is fetchfosterandrescue.com. On there, you can see all of our available adoptable dogs, and you can apply to adopt or apply to foster. And on there, once you fill out the application to foster, or if in the event you're looking to adopt, fill out that application to adopt, um, we go ahead and we process that application and make sure that um, you would be a good fit for fostering. And once the application is approved, you're welcome to start fostering as soon as you're ready. So what if you don't want to actually bring any dogs into your home, but you want to help out with like the fundraising or behind the scenes or some more of the administrative work? You can absolutely volunteer in any way that you would like or are willing to. Um, we do have a fundraising team, um, so you'd be absolutely welcome to join that team. Um, there is a ton of behind the scenes paperwork. So if you want to do more admin stuff, we always need folders put together for all of our dogs that are coming or are here. Um, that folder is essentially like their packet of personal dog information that we give to the adopter. So it's like their vet records and everything that we've done with that dog. Uh, we microchip all of our dogs. So all the information is in the, in the folder about that and how to register the chip. 
Um, so in the event the dog was ever to get away from you um, and ends up at, at a shelter or a vet, um, they can scan that chip and, and know exactly who to contact. Um, so there's admin duties that way. Um, and there's so much more too. Like I said, we, we currently have a foster who she's not able to bring dogs into her home at this current moment. So she helps out with transport. So she might go there in advance and help the transport van get set up which entails getting kennels in the van secured in properly for the correct sizes. So if we know we're bringing back five large dogs and three small dogs and a couple puppies, we need to have the right size kennels for those dogs and food on board and water dishes and all that kind of stuff. And then on the flip side, when they get back, the van has to be unloaded and thoroughly sanitized and cleaned and dogs walked and give them potty breaks. And then we always need people to drive the transport van to and from the meeting point, which, as I said before, is usually Oklahoma, but we've done other places as well. So first, my what I'm thinking here is, <clears throat> is there an age requirement to be a volunteer or a foster? Because my thoughts here are if there's maybe a teenager that's looking to do some of this volunteer work and use it towards a college application. Is that something that Fetch also does? Absolutely. So um, I wouldn't say that there's necessarily an age requirement for general volunteering. However, to actually foster, you would have to be of legal age um, due to the contracts and things that you would be signing. Um, so you need to be... Um, an adult to be able to sign those contracts legally. And essentially that's just like the adoption paperwork and things like that. Um, but we would also require that you provide proof of home ownership, or if you rent proof from your landlord that says you're allowed to have pets in your home and understand that it would be on a foster basis. Um, so that way we're covered because there have been instances where people would be, and not through our rescue necessarily, but I've heard of instances happening where people adopt out a dog and then it comes to find out that the landlord of the place that they're staying actually doesn't allow it. So then they have to return the dog or get rid of the dog and things like that. So um, we do verify home ownership or if you rent that you are allowed to have pets. So minimum would be 18 as legal age, but if you don't have your own place to rent or own home at the age of 18, then whatever age you are. Correct. Over the age of 18. Yeah. Okay. But if you're 16 and you want to come help clean kennels and walk dogs and, um, or help with paperwork or help at a fundraising event, you would absolutely be welcome to do any of those things. We can always use help. And there's so much more involved in fundraising than people really realize. So there's a lot of prep before there's, there's getting the, you know, wherever you're having the event set up, there's getting the event cleaned up, um, making items for the event itself, say gift baskets that we're putting together as prizes, things like that. So any volunteer work in that ma manner would absolutely um, be fine if you're under the age of 18. Have you done any fundraisers? Several. I am the fundraising coordinator. So um, I have put together, I'm going to say about five events so far. Um, generally, 
it can be anything that we can literally come up with. I've had bars or restaurants ask me to do something specific. And then I've also heard about events going on where I've asked if I could join. Um, so there's a whole assortment of fundraising that we can do. We are actually going to be having another meat and basket raffle here uh, in just a few days. Uh, but another one we're thinking about doing is a walk slash run. We're hoping to kind of see if we can put something like that together this summer, uh, which I think would be really neat. You know, dogs would be welcome. You can go walking, hiking, biking, however you we kind of decide to throw this together. Um, the details are not um, laid out just yet. It's just something that came across to us most, more recently. Um, but we can do a wide variety of fundraising. Have you thought about doing a like a collaboration type fundraiser with, say, like Girl Scouts or maybe the baseball team or football team, like doing a car wash where you guys split whatever is made so you have those extra bodies there to do, like, say, a car, car wash? We have. Um, we haven't had an opportunity to do a collaboration in that way. Um, but we have been invited to join other people's events um, where we can have our own baskets and things like that going while they have their own baskets and things going. And then it's generally like whatever I raise at my table, I get to keep and whatever they raise at their table, they get to keep. Okay. At least that's how we've done it so far. But it wasn't a event like what you're saying where everyone would wash the cars together. It was more of like um. It was like an ice fishing jamboree. So whatever different people were trying to raise money for, they kind of had their own table set up at the event. Well, maybe we should look into like collabing and do a car wash or a boat wash. Yeah. You never know. Does Fetch have specific locations where the dogs are located? So we do not. Um, Essentially, how this works is we are 100% foster based, meaning we don't have a shelter or an actual location where all the dogs are housed. They're actually kept in our homes. So every foster parent um, gets whichever foster or fosters they choose to foster and they keep them in their home. Uh, we work on basic training. You know, if it's a puppy, we try to do basic potty training, um, basic, uh, you know, your basics of like sit, stay, lay down, things like that while they're with us. Um, if it's a little bit of an older dog, you know, we work with them on if they have any issues, we always try to uh, do whatever we can to help them overcome those issues. Um, but by living in homes with us, we get a a good idea of their personalities and what they need from a home and how they'll act with different people and in different situations. So for example, in my home, I have children, I have a dog and I have cats. So when I bring a foster in, I can tell the person who is thinking of adopting that specific dog, yes, it's good with children. Yes, it's good with cats. Yes, it's good with my dog. Or I can say, yeah, I have two cats not doing so great. I got to keep them separate. So if you have cats, I wouldn't suggest this dog for your home. And we'll help them find a dog that's a better fit for their home. Because sometimes people want to pick a dog just based on how it looks. And we want you to pick a dog that's based on your needs and that dog's needs and make sure that everyone's needs are met together. 
And where is Fetch Foster and Rescue based out of? Like so, the main, main headquarters. So the main headquarters, so to speak, is actually located in the Wausau, Wisconsin area. That is where the co-founders live. Um, but all of the fosters are all over the state of Wisconsin. I personally am in the more northern region, uh, along with a couple other people. But we do have people all the way down in, you know, the the south side of Wisconsin, where I'm going to say the Waukesha, Wisconsin area. We also have people in the La Crosse, Wisconsin area, uh, Rap Wisconsin Rapids. Um, so really all over. It just... Um, depends on wherever these people live. And we work with them to coordinate when a transport does come in to get them their dogs. Most of us drive down to Wausau or drive up to Wausau or over to Wausau to get our dogs. Um, but some of the ones who live a little further apart, they'll take turns grabbing the dogs and then essentially driving them and have a meeting location to get them to those foster homes. Okay. How many dogs have you fostered? So I've been fostering for just over a year and I have fostered 15 dogs and fetch foster and rescue does not specifically work with cats. However, um, I have a close connection with one of the rescues down in Texas. I talk to her on a regular basis and every once in a blue moon, she needs a little help rehoming a kitten or two. So I have assisted her in rehoming a few kittens. Um, essentially, I just make sure that there's room on the transport van. She supplies all the materials to transport the kitten up here to me. I just make sure that her materials, whatever's left over, like food-wise or things like that. And obviously the kennel that the cat came in, I get those things back to her. And then I don't personally charge a rehoming fee of any kind. What I do is I just simply ask that whoever decides to adopt the kitten uh, sends a donation to her rescue as a thank you because she does she does front all the money for all the vetting, you know, get some spayed and neutered rabies, all their vaccines that they're old enough to get. So she has a substantial cost in that. So I don't want anything out of it in any way, shape or form, but I don't want her to be out by saving animals. So I've also uh, assisted in rehoming four kittens, about to be five in just uh, two weeks here. I've got another one coming. So. Nice. Yes. How many have you foster failed? So uh, just recently we foster failed our first puppy. Um, for anybody who doesn't know what that means, foster failing means you didn't end up only fostering and you essentially end up keeping the dog. Um, so I still have to meet all the requirements that any other adopter would. Um, so I essentially my foster application is my, it works the same as an application to adopt. So I'm approved to adopt, but they make sure that she's a good fit for my family. I'm a good fit for her. Um, we still um, do the donation adoption fee and all that good stuff. So I don't get away with anything and I don't get to just keep puppies whenever I want. It does not work that way. Um, but in this case, um, we had a, a young puppy come to us. She was about three months old. Her and her siblings were actually being about to be sold as bait dogs down in Texas. And this very nice lady who lived next door or across the street or something along those lines refused to let them be 
sold into that kind of life. So she bought them all and decided to work with us to get them all into better homes. Um, so I ended up fostering her and my children just absolutely could not stand the thought of letting this one go, which I'm kind of surprised because, um, especially my daughter, she helps me a ton with the fostering. And her and I have always known that if we ever foster failed and decided to keep one, that we wouldn't be able to foster anymore. And both of my kids were like, we don't care. Like, we're okay if we can't foster for a while or anymore. Like, we just love her. She's such a good snuggle bug and she fits in so great with our family. So technically, I didn't foster fail. My children did. I'm just saying. So you won't be fostering <laughs> any more dogs then? Um, not for a little while. I want to make sure that she's properly trained before I bring in more dogs into the home. Okay. Because I have fostered two puppies at a time. And it is challenging because they teach each other their bad habits. So I personally would never even rescue two dogs at the same time unless they were bonded uh, like a bonded pair or something like that um but in my experience yeah it's just too hard to try to train two puppies at the same time um or even just two young dogs um i i'm fortunate my current dog is four years old and fully trained so when i tell him that he needs to go sit down or lay down or chill out or whatever it happens to be he listens pretty quickly i mean i'm not gonna say he's like the most pristine trained dog in the world or anything, but, uh, he's definitely got the basics and then some down. So I don't have to worry about him, you know, eating garbage or digging in something that he shouldn't because he already knows better. But when you get two little ones together and they don't know better, a bad habit that the dog wouldn't have had to begin with, it will learn it from the other one. So that's challenging in itself. So I'm definitely taking a break for just a little bit. All right. I have, a few more, probably a lot more questions, but we're going to take a short break for our sponsorship and we will be right back. Have you heard about Anchor? It's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. It is completely free. They have creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so that it can be heard on Spotify, Apple, and many more. You can also make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It is everything you need right at your fingertips and all in one place. All you have to do is download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started today. And we're back. So my first question before I forget because like I said my brain is gobbledygook what is a bait dog a bait dog is essentially a dog that is used to train fighting dogs and it's used just like what you're thinking like bait so um generally they want it to be a smaller dog so puppies are good for that um, because they don't really have the fighting mentality back um, so what they'll do is they'll put a bigger, stronger dog in there and they essentially teach that bigger, stronger dog to rip up the smaller dog that's unable to fend for itself. Um, 
in this case of my rescue that I did, because she's a puppy, she wouldn't really have any fighting techniques really going on. Plus she's small and it teaches the larger aggressing, aggressive dog about winning. And the dog will learn that it likes winning and it likes fighting. And when a dog's winning, 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 it makes them, you know, grow that mentality of like, that's, that's the way to go. That's what I want to do. I always want to be a winner. And then it'll keep training it to fight until it's a winner. Well, that's pretty fucking disgusting. Yes. And then what were we talking about before we went on break? <laughs> oh, how you were feeling. So, so you said you can still foster, but you're giving her time to grow learn, become a little more mature. Say you adopted an older dog. Is there a certain like set guideline for how long you can't foster or is it just until things mesh really well within your own household to possibly bring in other stray dogs that you want to foster again? So as far as I know, there's no 100% guideline or set restrictions regarding that. Me personally, and from my experience of other people that I have seen who have um, ended up foster failing or adopting, either way you want to word it, um, an older dog um, that might already be trained or maybe just need a little bit of reminders and things like that. Um most people do take a little bit of a break because they don't want to overwhelm that dog by bringing it into its new home. And then you just keep bringing in other dogs that come and go and come and go and come and go. They want to, you really want to make sure that that dog knows that they're staying, that they're a permanent part of your family and make sure that they don't have any issues with you bringing in additional dogs because once a dog knows that that home is their home sometimes they can become protective of it even though they never showed any signs of being protective of it when you were fostering them because when you're fostering you know they've been living on the streets or living in a kennel and then they were staying at you know a foster house in texas and then they were on transport and now they're here um so there's been a lot of jumping around for some of these dogs so there's definitely there definitely should be time for that dog to fully decompress and understand that your home is their home and that they're staying forever. So me personally, I would want to take a little bit of time just to be sure um, that everything's running smoothly with that dog and that they are totally trained. Um, because sometimes, you know, when you get them for just a couple days, they're doing great. But then, you know, a month or two into it, you start to find out they got a couple quirks you didn't really know about. I mean, every dog's got its quirks, but you know, maybe they start venturing out of the yard a little bit because before they were too nervous to go too far because they didn't want to get too far away from food or too far away from you. But now that they know that they live there. Or stealing like, your uh, steel toe high, high pumps. Yes. Or your Harley boots. Or when they become really attached to you, I've heard of people who say that the dog will start chewing on their shoes like months after they've had them and never chewed on a single thing. But the the primary owner, you know, the one that they're most connected with leaves for a weekend and they eat your slippers because yeah, they you miss know, you. A little bit of separation anxiety. Right. Our, our oldest lab that we have, she's not a rescue. Um, 
But when we got her, my husband was driving log truck at the time. So he took her in the log truck with him. So he had her in the truck with him all the time because we owned our own business. And there was no point in just leaving her at home all alone because he would be on the road for, you know, 12, 14 hours a day. And then once the business went under and he got a regular job where he was leaving and couldn't take her, she started chewing up things around our house, doing the separation anxiety thing. And that can happen at any point in time with any dog. I mean, just anything changing in general. Maybe you had kids at home on a regular basis and now they're in school. So they want to lay on that kid's bed, even though normally they never did that before or take that kid's clothes and lay on it or chew on it. When things change in the household, it can definitely um, affect the dogs in ways that you wouldn't have ever thought. Now say someone, a couple adopted a dog and then a year or so later, they decide they want to start adding to their family and having babies. If that starts to cause an issue, what would be your first piece of advice? Because mine would be to reach out to a trainer and try to work work something out that way instead of just immediately getting rid of the dog. And that's exactly what we do. Um, the co-founders are very well trained in um, handling situations like that. Or if your dog is having any kind of like anxiety or just general basic household training issues, um, we can try to assist you in working through any of those. And that's always the first route that we try to take is figure out what the issue is and what we can do to resolve it. Um, and then go from there. If, if the people, you know, who have rescued that dog are not figuring out a way to handle it, privately in their home. Um, we can suggest trainers that we know we can suggest, um, I don't want to call it a boarding, but you can essentially like send your dog there. It's like a boot camp sort of concept. Like if you're doggy having, school, doggy training, yeah, school? doggy training school. And it's not for like basic obedience. It's generally when you kind of have like a, a bigger issue that needs some extra attention. A um, teenage problem doggy. Yeah. Kind of <laughs> like that. <laughs> Um, but yes, we obviously, we start with the basics of um, just just finding out what the issue might be. Sometimes it's it's super obvious, like, hey, I just had a baby and all of a sudden the dog's doing this. So it's like, well, clearly the change in the household has caused this dog's routine to be changed and they're just confused. So we just need to lay out some strict guidelines of like, this is how things are going to go and, and help them, you know, get that new routine down and understand like, this is the way that it's going to be now. Um, we would never suggest uh, or go directly to suggesting uh, rehoming the dog with our dog specifically. If you adopted the dog from us and you have tried this, that, the other thing, you cannot come up with any other possible way to handle this dog. Um, it is in our contracts that the dog does have to come back to us. Um, also, if you move or something like that and you're not allowed to take the dog with you to this new place that you're going, you know, especially if it's a rental um, that pets are not allowed, things like that, um, it's in our contract that the dog is to be returned to us. Um, so we absolutely would never want someone to try to rehome the dog on their own or things like that. Okay. 
What are your specific responsibilities with Fetch, Foster, and Rescue? Um, well, as I said before, um, I'm one of the fundraising coordinators. Um, I'm a, a foster mom. And I run most of the stuff on their website for them. So I post all the available dogs on the website and pull them down, update pictures, update bios. Um, I've helped with things on our actual like Facebook site as well. Um, I work hand in hand with another girl. Generally, she does most of the Facebook stuff and I do most of the website stuff. But we will flip flop or trade or if she's crazy busy, I'll do both for a little bit and vice versa. If I'm off for a couple days, like on a vacation or something, um, she'll do the website for me and things like that. Um, so it's definitely, definitely a team effort. There is absolutely no way that you can do everything by yourself. Um, and all of this is on a volunteer basis. None of us get paid for any of this work that we do. Um, and we don't, you know, take anything back out of it or anything like that. So, for example, I go do a lot of the fundraising. I go out to places and I get donations and things like that. All those donations go directly to baskets that we make and and raffle off, uh, auction off, or um, depending on what the event is. We've done ones too where like, hey, if you stop out and ask us, you know, for information from our table, your name goes into a jar and we draw a winner just for stopping at our table kind of thing. Um, so... I do a whole lot, a little bit of everything. I've done transports. Um, two I have been on personally. Both times I drove to Oklahoma and back. Uh, the one transport, I can't remember. I think it was like 23 dogs, 24 dogs, something like that. And then the second one I did, uh, I actually did with my eight-year-old daughter. And her and I drove all the way to Oklahoma and back with 13 dogs that we picked up in Oklahoma and one kitten. So that's where the whole rehoming of the kitten started after I did that specific one. Then she was like, well, could you do another one and another one and another one? And I was like, oh, now apparently I rehome kittens too. <laughs> For the fundraising, is it just in person or have you ever done any online fundraising? We have done both. Um, most of the ones that I have coordinated, or I should say all the ones that I have primarily coordinated have been face-to-face -face and in person. Um, you don't always have to be present to win. Um, we've always done it where you have to be present to like buy your tickets and pick whatever raffle baskets and things you want to get in on. Um, but if you put your name and phone number on there and you win, you know, I draw your name and you win, we'll get it to you after the fact. Um, but we have also done an online auction um, where the basket goes to the highest bidder. Okay. Um, so that was an interesting one that we did just before Christmas. Um, I got a lot of the donations for it, um, but a different girl as, ran most of the stuff on the actual auction itself, like putting it together. Um, just because at that time of year, I had two fosters and I had just done the huge raffle we had done. Um, and I was busy getting other things coordinated for other things that were going on and running the website. So sometimes just depending on the time of month or time of year, it just depends on how much I can help with whatever the event is. Um, we've done other things as well. We did a shoe drive. So essentially that's where we just went around and we collected shoes. We had donation bins put out. And one of the girls was literally like rubber banding all the pairs together. And then we send them off to a company who will say gives kind of like a kickback. So for however much weight of shoes and you have to have a minimum. So you have to do like 
and I, I'm so sorry, I don't remember the exact amount because I did not do that part of it. I collected shoes, but I did not rubber band them and send them off to the company. Um, but once you go over a certain weight of shoes, they cut you a check for so much, you know, so many cents per pound of however many you collected. Um, so we've done that. We also do collect uh, aluminum cans, like drinking, you know, like soda cans, your beer cans, things like that. And we can take them to the recycling center or you can drop them off at the recycling center and whatever the weight is on those and whatever they're paying out, they'll put right on our account. And then once a month, they cut us a check for whatever cans are dropped off for that month. Is that only specific recycling centers? So for that one, for the check to be cut directly to us is yes, one specific recycling center in Wausau. It's like a steel recycling. Okay. If someone wants to just offer up some kind of donation, who should they get in contact with, whether it's cash or items to add to baskets or, say, dog toys or leashes or maybe dog food or some kind of supplies instead of adopting or fostering? Um, so, yes, we take donations of any kind. Um, so if it's, you know dog supplies or food or things like that, that would be directly for the foster dogs. Um, those go to uh, essentially like our home base that we kind of call it, which is the owner's home, one of the co-founders homes. Um, and you can reach out to us at any time at fetch foster and rescue at gmail.com. Just let us know you want to send something and we can coordinate with you to get that picked up or for you to deliver it. If it's something you're ordering online and you want to ship it to us, uh, the best thing to do is go on our website and you can get our shipping and mailing address. We also have um, on there a tab at the top that you can go to um, with multiple ways that you can help us. We do actually have like an Amazon wish list, so you can go right on there and get anything that we might currently be needing. Um, if it's something that you want to send for donation baskets and things like that, you can still email us again at that fetch foster and rescue at gmail.com. Or if it's a specific fundraising thing, you can also do fetch fundraising at gmail.com. And either way, we will get that. Um, and whether it's one item or a whole basket already put together, we can literally take anything and make it into something. We've had people who donate just a couple of candles or lotions or um, they got they found a killer sale on beach towels. And they'll be like, hey, I got like five beach towels. You want them? Absolutely. We will use them in a beach basket. I can go places um, and ask for specific items to add to that. Or if you have something in mind and you want to put together your own like beach basket, um, all those ideas are awesome and great. Um, so there's literally a million and one ways that people can help out. Um, if it's a cash donation or a monetary donation, um, those can either be sent Venmo, PayPal. Um, you can mail checks to our PO box. So whatever it is that you want to do to help us out, we would love it. And email us with any questions again at fetchfosterandrescue at gmail.com. And we will coordinate that with you. And if someone wanted to keep up to date on where these fundraisers may be happening, if they're in Wisconsin 
or if you are doing a online fundraiser again, where should they go to keep up to date with that kind of stuff? Uh, the Facebook page is generally the best one. Uh, they're the best place to see those things. Those are kept, the Facebook is kept up to date um, as much as possible. Again, we're all volunteers. So sometimes things take a little bit of time depending on people's life schedules. Like me personally with the kids and my dog and I work full time. I can't always update everything to the split second. Um, but we do the best that we can. So you can absolutely go to Fetch Foster and Rescue on the Facebook and find us, like us, share us, and you'll be able to see all of the upcoming events, um, any posts, you'll be able to see available dogs. Um, we also post adoption photos on there once dogs are adopted, so you can see them with their new loving families. Um, so that's a great place to stay up to date with us. Excellent. On my last question, why is fostering and rescuing so important? For me, I think foster and rescue is so important because these dogs don't deserve what's happening to them. It's not their fault that they ended up in a shelter or that they're living on the street or that they weren't born perfect. Um, it's not fair and it's not right for them to be stuck living in a god-awful situation or to be euthanized just because nobody wanted them in that moment of time. Um, so for me personally, that's where I think rescue is so important. Um, I also found fostering to be very important because I feel that I'm giving them a little bit of love and yes, it's for a short amount of time, but that short amount of time, I look at it as like a bridge that I'm, I'm that bridge getting them to that destination of where they need to be for the rest of their life. And it is, it's hard. And sometimes dogs are frustrating. And then other times they're the most wonderful, loving dog and you want to just snuggle them and you're sad to see them go. But I know that I'm doing the right thing by being that bridge and helping them find their forever home. And it's extremely rewarding when you meet that foster potential adopter and you see them interact together and you can just see the love on their faces, the the happiness that that dog has. Um, you know, I've, I've had one dog that I had to do four meet and greets with and I feel horrible that I have to tell three of those people that, hey, I have to pick one of you. But sometimes you just you just know when it's right. And when you see them together and you see how complete they become as a family, it's amazing. And I also absolutely love getting the follow-ups. I just recently got a follow-up from the third foster dog I ever had. Um, her foster name was Danica and they, they went to, she went to another home. They, they renamed her Nala. Um, so I just, happened to text her, I don't know, maybe a week or so ago. And she sends me a picture that they actually moved to Naples, Florida. They now live on a beach. She's like sending me pictures of this dog. I shit you not. This dog is like running around on the dog beach down there swimming on a daily basis. And it's just like, I picked that family. Like 
And that I don't even know if I want to so say I amazing. picked that family. That dog picked that family. They picked that dog. That is the dog that I actually had the most meet and greets with ever. And I was like, how will I ever decide, you know, as I'm like meeting this one and meeting that one. And I met this last family and you just know, like I met them and the puppy walked right up to their son who was maybe two years old and just gave him the most gentle, sweet kiss. Like a lot of puppies, you know, they jump, they lick. She was not like that at all. She was like the most calm puppy I've ever had. I've ever fostered. Sweet as pie. She found her human. Yeah. I mean, it was just amazing how they were together. The mom was like, I want this dog for my son so they can grow up together. And like, she just had this whole plan already. And just like her thoughts on the whole topic, just talking with her and seeing the puppy with the, with the son and the, the dad and how wonderful they were together. And like literally right away, as soon as they were meeting, the dad was already working on sit with the puppy. And it was just like, they were so dedicated and so perfect. It just made sense. And then to see, like, God damn it, why the hell didn't they adopt me? I want to go live in <laughs> Naples, Florida and swim on the beach every goddamn day, playing with puppies at the puppy or the dog park. And I'm just like, what? And I'm over here by grabbing my box of tissues. This is like a Lifetime movie. <laughs> um, so for me, that's where Foster is so important. Um, I'm I'm a little disappointed that I'm going to be taking a break from it because I do truly love it. It it makes me feel so good about myself and it really makes my heart feel, I don't know how to explain it. It's, but it makes my heart feel good. Makes me feel good. So I love it. And, and maybe that's what I'm getting out of it. That feel good feeling. But if that's what I'm getting out of all of my hard work, it's absolutely worth it. I don't regret doing it for one second, even with, the hard dogs that I've had that was a challenge to train and and get them to go in a kennel or get them to go potty outside or not to bark on all hours of the night or whatever the hiccup might have been with that dog worth every single second of it when I see how amazing their lives are now compared to where they came from. Well, you are doing some amazing work. As far as where you can find Fetch, Foster, and Rescue. They do have the web page. They have the Facebook page. They have the Gmail, the Gmail for fundraising. And we will have all that information in the show notes. If you want to become part of this, great. Send us some information and we'll move forward. If you don't, Great too, but share it with a friend. And if you're not local and you know you're not able to help out with fetch foster and rescue specifically, I guarantee you there is a rescue in your area that you could absolutely assist with. Um, and if not a rescue per se, an animal shelter or whatever, you would be surprised how good it feels, even if you yourself makes a donation to your local animal shelter or a local rescue. And like I said, it can seriously be anything. Go to Walmart, look at the clearance section. Rescues and shelters always need things like 
towels and cleaning supplies, um, food, snacks, toys, treats, anything like that. You'll be amazed how often you can find that stuff on the clearance section. Uh, that's what I do. I personally also go, I'll, when I have my Kohl's cash and I have nothing else that we could possibly use in our house, I will go look at the clearance section and get a couple of toys and just donate them to fetch or use them for my fosters. Um, if it's something that would work for me and the fosters that I currently have coming, but literally anything you can think of, they can figure out a way to use it. And I guarantee you, you are going to feel very good about yourself when you make that donation and you see the smile on the face of the person or the rescue or the shelter that you're donating it to. It really does make a difference every little bit. Not only the donations, as I stated before about like a high school student who's looking to do some kind of volunteer work that they can put for their college application. If you've got a, a kid that's in high school looking to do something like that and just absolutely loves animals, this might be the perfect fit for them. Absolutely. Do we have a challenge this week? Yeah. I challenge you to do any kind of donating or volunteer work, whether it's to a fetch foster and rescue your local animal shelter or even dropping off a few cans of food at your local food bank um some of your old clothes at one of the women's shelters or the other what's the other shelter just the mainly homeless shelter not just women's shelter right just anything and everything try to do some kind of volunteer or donating work this week and let us know how it made you feel. And I'm going to give you guys a little tip, okay? Remember all those Christmas presents you guys got a while back that somebody got you and you were like, what the fuck am I going to do with this thing? Or it's a candle that you don't like how it smells. Or they bought you some funky ass shirt and your tags are still on it or whatever. Things like that can also be donated and they can use them for raffle baskets and things like that if it's a brand new unused item. So that's where I come up with Christmas presents because I personally have had so many people reach out to me and be like, hey, my kids got all these presents. I've got duplicates. I've got this. I've got that. And I'll get like kids toys donated and make kids baskets out of them. And they're brand new in the box because their kids got too much shit or duplicates or whatever. I mean, Literally, there's so much you can think of that you probably haven't thought of before, but can do now. So, um, and I know there's a lot of rescues and shelters that will take cans. So if you're just throwing your cans in the garbage, just take one week and put them all in a bag and just drop off that one bit, that one time. That That's your one thing. Grab all the change out of the bottom of your purse or the beneath your car seats or in your couch cushions and Put them in a jar that's at the checkout register of your local quick trip or your local gas station that you have or whatever it might be, you know, your Ronald McDonald funds and things like that. Or what's spring cleaning coming up and wanting to redo your bathroom because your towels are all not nice and thick anymore. Those towels work great at shelters. They can use towels for baths, putting in the, sh the kennels. Lots of things. They don't have to be brand new towels that you drop off or even blankets. If you have blankets that are slightly ripped or have stains on them that you're looking to get rid of and replace, drop those off at the shelters too. They can use those. They can cut the blankets and use them 
in the kennels, things like that. So it doesn't have to cost you anything. Right. You, and it we, can be stuff that you're literally trying to get rid of. Yeah. We love blankets and quilts because we'll actually use them as like pads, like uh, at the bottom of their kennels during transport. So if they do ruin them and it already had a hole in it, we're not really worried about it. I mean, obviously we don't want something that's completely shredded up and the dog's going to eat all the stuffing and get sick. Um, but if it's just, you know, stained up or a little lumpy and not feeling so great anymore, we fold it up real nice and we use it as a mat for them. So definitely, definitely look into those options, guys. And thank you so much for joining us this week. We will see you next week and we will let you know what we did for our volunteer work. Thanks guys. Until next time.